In this podcast, we talk about the witching hour, which Cameron likes just because it has the word witch in it, but in which we discuss the fact that the witching hour and where we're going with it really has nothing to do with witches. It has to do with what happens to your spiritual formation and your best ideas toward the end of the day. That's when you're tired and all you want to do is relax and you're not really thinking too much about your spiritual formation. So here's a little encouragement to make good use of the end of your day. Hello and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. I'm your co-host, Cameron McAllister. And I'm your co-host, Nathan Rittenhouse. Most people have a morning routine. At least we recognize the efficacy, the goodness of having a morning routine. And as Christians, we tend to think of morning routines in spiritual terms as well. This is where people do their devotions and... Quiet well, time. This QT. is where people... This is where people planned, <laughs> plan and intend to do their devotions often until the morning comes. <laughs> this is where people feel guilty about not doing their morning. This is where you now feel, and now many of you listening feel guilty right now. You're welcome. It is, well, we rec- it's not Monday for you. It's Monday for us when we record this. So it's a very Monday kind of thought for me. But we're not going to talk about the morning routine. We actually too easy. talk about- Too easy. T- too easy. Yeah, no, that would never lend itself to TOL. We, we want something a little bit more complicated to sink our teeth into. And so we're going to talk about the evening, the evening routine or lack thereof. So I came across an article in Plow magazine, which, which often has thought-provoking pieces in it. This one's called The Witching Hour. It's by Kathleen Mulhern. Kathleen Mulhern teaches spiritual formation at Denver Seminary. Her expertise is actually, her PhD is actually in European intellectual history. So she would be no, this fits. Fun, yeah, <laughs> a fun person to chat with. The article did not go where I thought it was going to go, though. So at first, you know, I saw that title, and she surveys some of the kind of remarkable... Wait, give us the title again. The Witching Hour. Okay. Yes, Maybe not a word hour. that's in most people's vocabulary. Well, no, I mean, she just basically, she looks at how there are, there's a lot of agreement that five o'clock onwards, the day gets more difficult for people. It's more challenging. And she looks at it, she's, you know, she points out it's, that is, that's in hospitals, that's at the stock market, but that's also in homes, whether it's people who have children or, you know, younger children that I suppose that that's, you know, five o'clock is when it gets especially tough. People get crankier. It's just more difficult to rein everything in. Singles and people who have lost spouses, she talks about they they will report at this hour the boredom and the loneliness really ramp up. They feel a, a you know, it's one of those those kind of moments where you think, well, there are, there are numerous numerous constructive things I could do, but I don't feel like doing a single one of them. So I'll probably just sit here and doom scroll or something along those lines. Or she points out, alternatively, the other way people look at this is this is kind of, this is the time for me to wind down. I've worked really hard, I've put in the time and the hours, and now I'm home, and I'm just going to chill out for a little while, and I'm going to clock out. I'm off the clock, I'm done. And so, what... Yeah, she she says it's a mini uh, TGIF at the end of every day. Mini TGIF at the end of every day. So what was interesting was, given the title and some of what she was looking at, at first, I thought this article was going to be a challenging article for our Western eyes saying, look, spiritual reality 
is is indeed a reality and spiritual warfare is real, that's actually not what she's doing. She's really looking at our spiritual habits and she's looking at our assumptions about spiritual practices. And one that caught my attention was that we tend to unwittingly look at spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines in much the same way that we do our everyday work. We tend to look at them as we sort of file them away in a productivity folder, if you will. And so when we get when we're done for the day and when we want to wind down, well, we don't want the spiritual we don't want spiritual practices and habits here because we're trying to relax. And she's mm-hmm. pointing out that that is actually a profound misreading of the spiritual habits. So I thought that's what we should press into here because my I'm I'm thinking that some of our for some of our listeners that was probably a shared assumption. <laughs> so I think we should press into that a little bit. Well, let's let's look at the balance here because the title let's be honest Cameron, you clicked it cuz it was used the word witch in it. So, I, I mean, I'm, right. I I know your motives. I it, it got yep. you. The old witch clickbait for Cameron. But right. the um so to the degree that we're underdoing things spiritually at the end of our day, let's look at the opposite end of the pendulum swing in the medieval era, which she points to, at which you have this real idea that as darkness falls and the natural world goes to sleep, the supernatural wakes up and the nighttime, um, and then different times and cultures have looked at a different thing from just after midnight to 3 a.m., you know, 12 hours from the time when Jesus was crucified, that's when the mm-hmm. demons and the goblins and the little creepy crawlies get out and they uh, wreak their wickedly, miser- you know, mischievous um, spiritual shenanigans upon the world, right? So there's this, the light goes down, everything's dark, and here come the gobbledygooks um, to crawl under your bed. And therefore, the evening spiritual routine was a, a bracing yourself, a preventative... Um, you get elements of that kind of in the now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep kind of thing that there's still a little bit of that alive and well that we would say, hmm, that's interesting. But so if you're looking at the medieval Christian experience and maybe not even that long ago, a sense in which nighttime was a, a more spiritually active time. And so you needed to prepare yourself going into that for your protection uh, through the night. So what we're what she's pointing out, I think, is that we live in a time now in which it's a time of lesser spiritual focus, and it used to be, and and she's not at all saying, okay, you know, when the lights go down, there are demons in your kitchen, like, make sure you lock your cupboards. That's not where she, she's like, you don't have to believe that in order to think seriously about what's happening to you spiritually at the end of your day. So just to connect some dots there on the on the history of the idea and why that word can, to some degree, still be used today. Well, she says something in here that I think is going to be surprising to some people. She talks about the spiritual practices as being means to rest Mm -hmm. rather than rigorous, hard work. You see, we're so accustomed to going down that road with just about all of our pursuits She's, she thinks that this is one of the main reasons we tend to abandon those spiritual practices at the end of the day in our modern world when we have, you know, artificial lights that we can turn on in our homes and ha- we can just keep everything humming along and we can, you know, get lost in our smartphones and our television shows. 
and forget about see, part of the the medieval preoccupation with being vigilant in the night was that the traditional boundaries were blurred in the darkness. Things lose their definition and it becomes harder to see. And that became a kind of, you know, the medievals, they looked at everything as a metaphor and a picture for in spiritual terms. So that, that kind of darkness became a picture of also spiritual blindness or ambiguity. And so it was very important to wake up and steal yourself for that. But now our danger is that we often, we relinquish the spiritual practices because we tend to think of them as another form of work, which is a misreading. And then we do tend to let our guard down. And again, she's not talking about some hobgoblin jumping out from, you know, behind your nightstand or anything like that. She's talking about you begin to lose your self-control goes out the window a little bit, or at least, you know, you, you, you loosen up a little bit and your responses become maybe a little bit more snide with your children, with your spouse or with somebody who's texting you. And that begins to, because you're, again, you're, there's a kind of letting down of the guard. And so she's arguing for, I think two things, recovering the notion that spiritual practices when they're used properly, are there to give you rest and replenishment in your soul and to help you maintain self-control. And also to bring in a little, uh, basically more intentionality at the end of the day. We have that focus on the beginning of the day in the morning, and then we tend to lose it at night. And she's talking about recovering a vision where we're we're more holistic, basically, in our spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not a uh, you know a spike of energy of spiritual formation at six a.m. and then it just kind of tapers off from that um, and fades out and then spikes again the next morning. Also, though, this isn't. <laughs> I guess to the degree to which this is new or surprising to anybody, including myself, shouldn't be new or surprising. If you have, I mean, most Christian traditions have had something like a vespers service um, or an eventide. Uh, if you if you have a like most older hymnals have an entire section of hymns called eventide hymns. So these are songs that you would sing in the evening to to prepare yourself for rest. They're Thanksgiving for the day. They're um, placing you in the um, you know. So I'm thinking you know one of our favorite hymns to sing in the evening is "Be Still, My Soul, The Lord Is On Thy Side." Um, and there's that line in there: um, the the wind and waves still know you know, the voice of him who commanded them while he was below, you know, there's this idea of like coming to a stillness of soul right before you go to sleep and entrusting yourself to the one who's in charge of the whole universe. That's not work. That's just reminding yourself of something to sleep well in. Um, yeah. So, so the, the resources. I guess what all I'm saying is like the resources are there and have been there for a very long time. Uh, but for me, they just, you know, flown out the window at some point um, in my life. This is one of the funny kind of lessons that we get more and more these days is, oh my goodness, the church really does have all the treasures we need <laughs> for human life. And we're not talking about, you know, easy targets, you know, fog machines and large projector screens. We're talking about basically the, the treasure trove of, you know, songs and practices down the ages the church have used and that's true and so it, i think it's funny that you know you you often we're we're constantly rediscovering these items so that while they're not new 
it's, it's great that we're rediscovering them. But I want to lean into something here, Nathan, that I think might be a bit troubling for some of us. And that really is the question of where do we find our rest? So most of, well, not most, but I mean a good deal of our recreational habits these days, just as modern people, and okay, so specifically modern North American people. Nathan, your household is going to be, as as usual, a bit of an exception to some of these. I try real just, hard. You try real hard, yes. I mean, but let's just look at some of the common recreational habits. I mean, most of them, you know, television. And now I think increasingly for more and more people online scrolling, I think the phone in many ways, the smartphone is replacing television by and large. More work is being done on that, but that's happening more and more. And even when people, when young people, younger couples, for instance, are watching TV, it's pretty rare to find people who at least one of, you won't find at least, you know, I mean, there's always one adult with the phone in front of their face as well, right? So even while they're double watching. Double screen time. You know, double screen time. So there's that. But the other big ones, you know, alcohol and increasingly, we've talked about this before on the show. Ice cream. Recreational. Well, Let's yeah, confess food. here. Yeah, food. Well, snacks. <laughs> Yeah, food, junk food, but also recreational drugs. You know, I'm, we, we've talked about this before. I'm more and more people I, you know, I talk to, you know, using casual usage of various, you know, ways of ingesting THC laced stuff and all of that. Here's the point I'm trying to make with all of this: these are all escapes from reality. So, I think my thesis here, Nathan, is that for many of us, the uh, what we the unchecked assumption, our default setting is to equate rest with an escape from reality. Ooh, I like this. Okay, let me let me throw some other um, ingredients in this batch of whatever it is that we're whipping up here. Um, so Andy Crouch, forget what book or essay it was, makes a distinction between rest and leisure that I think plays into this somehow. And he says, and I think he's right, that rest is the rest that comes at the end of completing good work and delighting in having finished something good. That leisure comes at leisure comes as the result of someone else's work. So when you, when you get to the end of the day and you're kind of tapped out and you flip on scroll to whatever, and you're watching something that somebody else produces, that's leisure. You're not actually resting. Resting would be reflecting back on what was accomplished in the day with satisfaction and leisure and amusement um, both uh, pull our minds out of the reality in which we actually live. So rest is very much about what happened in our lives on that day and the the actual place that we inhabit in the relationships in it. And leisure takes us out of that and imports some form of amusement into the system. So um, as you're saying that, those just like popped into my mind, I think. So the second thing here is what's the difference between like is there so i guess it seems to me that there would be a correlation between legitimate rest and peace so mm -hmm. so physical rest and you know I, I often talk about like there's the difference between the weariness that comes from work and the weariness that comes from worry mm -hmm. like weariness as a result of good work is fine like you get to the end of the day mm -hmm. and you put your head back on the pillow and you're like ooh, that was great you know and and you're out that's one kind of weary. Then there's just like this weariness of soul that comes from the worries of the world. And it seems like leisure and worry weary 
could go well together. And that rest, and when Jesus talks about granting peace, um, that those two things could go together. So I, I guess I'm trying to pull the physical and the spiritual together, uh, mm-hmm. kind of in keeping with what she was doing in her article. Well, it's perfectly possible to enjoy leisure, so to speak, and be and not have, I mean, and be filled with worry and anxiety. In fact, many times the leisure pursuits, and let's face it, yeah, a cruise ship requires absolute tireless, painstaking work on the part of the people keeping the cruise ship afloat. Same same is true with, with I mean, virtually mo- most of our leisure activities. I, I do think Andy Crouch's way of looking, that is, looking at that is really helpful. So, yes, you're... Your quote unquote leisure, yeah, your leisure is depending on a number of different people doing a ton, ton of stuff for you. But often those, those leisure pursuits are seen as escapes. And actually, if you look at some of the prototypical leisure pursuits, the all inclusive resort or the cruise ship, those are two that, that really come to mind as, as largely symbolic of the, of the, the leisure industry. They are, custom made to keep you out of touch with reality or to, to, to help you. I mean, and often when you're in those places, the kinds of things you will say is, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to think about any of that right now. This is now we're going to have fun. We're not going to worry about that. Now I'm not necessarily leave it to Nathan and I to just, you know, rain <laughs> well, on every parade on the planet. <laughs> Not necessarily disparaging all that. All, all that to, to point out, it's perfectly possible to do that and not, you can do that while fleeing all of your problems. So you could have a, a ton of anxiety in your heart. You haven't worked through anything. With rest, you may not have physical luxuries surrounding you. But in rest, as Nathan, as you're, as you're talking about it, and as, and, you know, as Andy Crouch has mentioned, You've completed what needs to be done for this specific day. And that also, by the way, in, in that, that there, there is the implicit recognition that you've done what you can and you are refraining from worrying about things that are, beyond, that are out of your control. And I would, I would argue here that that's going to require a higher faith commitment. You'll need, I mean, it helps to be a Christian in that sense because you can leave, you do your part and then leave the rest to God, so to speak. And then you you rest from your labors. The picture I, I can often think of, Nathan, is if, I mean, you're, you're in an agricultural setting, but I, I think about, you know, having completed a huge amount of yard work in the heat here in the South and then sitting back on the porch and then just resting for a little while, thanking the Lord for, you know, what he's entrusted to me and also thanking the Lord for the good work we were able to do. I mean, cultivating, you know, and maintaining the land is part mm-hmm. of our responsibility. It's a good thing to do. And yeah, the pleasant ache in your bones, which is which is genuinely pleasant after you've, you know, expended some good effort. Same thing if you've gone on a good hike or something like that. The ache in sure. your bones yeah. is a pleasant ache. Yeah, exercise, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. And that's a that's and that's that's rest. I mean, you're you're at you're at peace. You've done your part, but also the big the big feature for me here is that you you're facing reality at this point. You're in touch with reality. Cameron, have you ever woken up in the morning and thought, "Man, I wish I had stayed up an hour later last night scrolling through YouTube Shorts"? Oh, yes. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That would that would so have improved. But yeah, always glad when I when I go on one of those online doom scrolling excursions. Yeah. Well, so, a lot of a lot of good that did me. So yeah. I, gu- I guess taken. like so. Uh, well, no. The point isn't uh, to to anybody. It's it's just the fact that we all know this. Yeah. Like we're not saying anything new to anybody here, mm-hmm. but we are. I to. We're, we're capitalizing on a, a clever idea or a, being reminded of an old idea here to say that actually there are spir- spiritual implications to the things that we know that are physically and mentally not great for us. That's the, that's the reminder that we have to bring into the conversation here. Yeah, and I think we can, I think we can make a meaningful distinction between taking you know different pursuits that give you, and even leisure pursuits, okay, that can give you mental rest, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with seeking some you know mental rest occasionally and fleeing from reality trying to see everything as an escape from reality the, yeah, I think but the there's, key... there's a there's a difference between going on a walk with your spouse or a friend in the evening mm-hmm. as a form of leisure and doing something in isolation staring at a screen I mean those there are is. but so but I'm that, a fan of movies, so I, I want to stand yeah, so up Yeah, so I'm going to say, why, is that, why does that seem true to me, but I don't know how to make that differentiation of why that's true. Well, I, So I think the key distinction I would make here, the, or the real litmus test is, okay, let's, say, let's just take the example of you want to kick back with a television show or a movie, okay? That's fine. Are you, I mean, have you, basically, have you done what you need to do? Right. Have you, yeah, have you, have you, I mean, Dallas Willard used to, say often that a person who who is very disciplined just period spiritually and otherwise as a person who will do the things that are required of them and needed that need to be done immediately and without problem and be able to do them rather than pro- and it's when you're seeing procrastination entering to into the mix now you've got now now it's becoming problematic so are you watching the movie to escape from your responsibilities or having you know, fulfilled your obligations and responsibilities. Are you taking a little bit of a you know a break with a movie? I think mm-hmm. that's the that's the that's the and now the problem with us too, of course, Nathan, is that we always there's a we have a tendency to just overdo everything. Well, technology monkeys with our concept of what a human can accomplish in a day. It does. It really does. And so, the temptation is to. Yeah, to overdose, to go too far. I mean, we, and everything is, of course, geared to be very addictive. So we have to take that into account as well. But if we're fulfilling our our obligations, I mean, I think the key principle I want to hammer home here is that we want to, we want to make sure that we're staying in touch with reality, not fleeing from reality. And I think for many people, life and reality feel so painful partly because they're not they're not willing to to deal with it and not and it because they're not dealing with it begins the more you you don't deal with reality the more you the more out of control it begins to feel and the more chaotic it begins to feel but part of a, ba- a basic part of just taking control in the healthy sense not in the western sense of i control everything but is just doing your small part whatever that is and then taking charge of taking responsibility for your life, boy. This is this is very much <laughs> sounding like <laughs> a grumpy old man. You just need to take responsibility for your life. But in a sense, 
that's that's kind of what yeah, I'm saying. The spiritual habits are, help, are there to help you do that a little bit. But the, the so it's it's all though part of a larger theological structure in which you look at the world and say that it is good. Now that's not trying to convince yourself of something that you. Okay, it gets weird here for Christians because we we live with like the world is created and God says it's very good, and then all chaos breaks loose on it, mm. and we're well aware of that. That's well documented, and then it's like but it's still good. So there's like this ice cream sandwich of chaos in the middle of goodness. Um, and we have to remind ourselves of both layers on the outside edge of this. Because if you go to bed just focused on the chaos and not on the fundamental sovereignty of a God who desires good for his people, um, who actually does order and provide, as the hymn says, so I, I guess there's there's a there's just the fundamental shift of like, is this good? Does God enjoy His people? Is creation good? Is there a good God who's in charge of this? And that if that is the reality that you're operating out of, it's not work to remind yourself of that. Yeah, I think of the phrase that Willard used a lot: "The world is a perfectly safe place for you and I." Which I still think is one of the more challenging things he's ever Which said. Which doesn't mean you won't die and that there's not evil. Not at all. Yep. But it does mean that this is God's good world. And if you belong to him and your life is in in his hands, no ultimate harm will come to you. No ultimate <laughs> harm. I mean, and the, I mean, the test is, do we, do we actually believe that? Well, no. It depends on the day and sometimes the day and the hour, which is why we need spiritual practices to help bring us back in touch with that reality and help give rest to our souls. Mm-hmm. Not more not more work, not one more obligation. Training to help bring you your whole personality into alignment with the truth that God is good and that you are safe in his hands. And yes, we do inhabit a good world, but it is also shot through with the effects of the fall. But <laughs> we we have yeah. to guard against the temptation. I think to we we tend to 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 be very extreme in our thinking these days. Especially, I mean, it's a polarized age, and some of us tend to look at the effects of the fall and make that the whole picture, or at least it becomes the dominant part of the picture in our minds. And well, it's not not true. But it's not dominant. It's not, not the dominant. End. No, and it's not, and it, and that that kind of thinking can lead to a great deal of of anxiety and fear. And we want to. I mean, ultimately, of course, as as Christian men and women, we want to be free of that, and we want to be able to to be in this world as agents of of peace and joy and all the fruits of the spirit and reconciliation. But that again, that's going to take practice and habits and i think transferring those habits to the evening hour that's a really good start <laughs> because we tend to overlook that i think that's that was what was so interesting about the article i thought of course in the past this was a kind of a no duh but for us nowadays we've completely not well, but, always but, but see the other thing though is like that's a new era because now when it gets dark you don't go to sleep for most of well, human right, history, you did. So we've we've kind of fabricated yeah. this entire new category of 
sunset to bedtime are two different things. And now we have this whole new category to do stuff in or yeah, not the do whole, stuff this in. whole new phase. Yeah. We're, yeah, it's, we're going through a phase. <laughs> the, well, yes. The artificial you know, light phase, the artificial light phase. The, so the coming back around to something though, I, when you say, you know, about habits of the evening and reminders of the goodness of God and the way that the world really is, that doesn't always have to be complicated. We're not talking about an hour of standing on your head and memorizing scripture here. Um, I've, I've told this story, which I don't know. Well, that's what that's, I do, but. Oh, well, I mean, not everybody has to be like Cameron, but the, <laughs> uh, you know, I've told the story before of the young man who is traveling, I forget what country, with a really well-known evangelist, teacher, preacher, humanitarian aid was always organizing, just kind of a, a really kind of go-getter for the kingdom of God, right? And regarded as a very wise and spiritual man that everybody looked up to. And this young guy was traveling with him and they stopped at the end of a really busy day um, and they were sharing a room at a hotel or a hostel or something. And they both knelt down beside their beds to pray. And the young man thought to himself, like, I'm going to listen to this man of God, you know, really pray as we get ready for bed. And, you know, so he's, he's getting ready for this, you know, big ordeal of bringing the day to the close. And the older man says, well, Lord, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed now. And got in bed. <laughs> and he thought, that was it. <laughs> like that, that, that was the, um, and I'm sure that wasn't his evening routine all the time, but that, but there's a lot that's communicated in that. Isn't there? I'm tired. I'm out of energy. I'm acknowledging you, you know, you, as I do this and now I'm going to sleep, the world's yours. That's, that's not a complicated, uh, liturgy. That's just a, a pause of remembrance of like, who's running the world I'm limited in what I can do. Thanks for the goodness of this day. Onward we go. You know, is, so I don't know. I hope that's not, I don't think use that as an excuse, but use that as an encouragement that the thing that you need to practice in this isn't super complex. It's just, let's No, I mean, in essence, Nathan, it just means finding ways to remind yourself that you belong to God and that he's yeah. with you. Here and now, even at five o'clock onwards, even when your kids get cranky and start throwing food or when you start feeling more lonely or when temptations ramp up or when your crankiness ramps up or when your spouse starts to really get on your nerves, Christ is with you. Still well, the, in that, it, and so finding ways to, to remind yourself of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is you actually are really vulnerable when you're asleep. So yeah. I, I can yeah. I can see why people you know that could worry people, um, but there are a whole series of practices. When you're fasting, you're saying the Lord's going to provide me the sustenance and the energy that I need to carry on. When you take a true Sabbath, you're saying I think the Lord can run the world without me working for a day. When you sleep at night, you're doing the same thing. So this is it's part of a type of a thing where you're acknowledging that you don't run the world and that you have a limited role to play in it and that you're trying to align yourself with what is actually expected of you. And then when you're done with that, go to sleep. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And again, I think a running theme for us is we when we bring in the, the spiritual disciplines, even the word discipline tends to put people on edge. But to to try to help 
to try to help people see these as means to an end rather than ends in, in, in and of themselves. Practices that are there to help you in your basic orientation and to give you the poise that you need yeah, to, to meet those challenges and recognize that, yes, God is God and you are not. I like I love the story, possibly apocryphal, of of the old saint who got the shortest sermon in the world from from God. I'm God, you're not. <laughs> and that we <laughs> Sit struggle <down. laughs> very mightily with that second part. But yeah, and especially as as modern Western people with a tiny bit of control in our hands thanks to our devices. We don't recognize how incredibly tiny that control actually is, but our devices mislead us into thinking it's greater than it actually is. And then when things don't go our way, we throw temper tantrums, which is the dead giveaway that we really are out of touch with reality. But finding ways to surrender and recognize, no, all things are in God's hands, including us. And mm-hmm. this is his good world fallen though it is but that also the fallen aspects yes they're real and they're terrible it's not the fine but they're not the end of the story and they don't have the final word and we can take great comfort in that so if you want to practice my suggestion would be look up i bet whatever religious your tradition you're a part of you won't have to dig along around too deeply to find some sort of resource that's already provided whether it's books of prayer hymns what have you if you don't have one of those um Maybe try singing or listening to the hymn, Be Still My Soul, before you go to bed for the next week or so, and see if that uh, puts you in a better place in the whirlwind of what's in your mind as you get ready to rest for the night. You've been listening to Thinking Out Loud, the podcast where we think out loud about current events, Christian hope, and the value of a good sleep. Thanks for listening to Thinking Out Loud. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, book Nathan or Cameron, Or if you'd like to support us financially, whether through a one-time donation or on a monthly basis, you can do so on the donate page at www.toltogether.com. That's toltogether.com. And please consider leaving us a five-star rating and sharing this content with your friends. It really does help.